You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Here at Cross and Crown, we believe that the Bible is God's word to his people. And that means when we read it, as I'm about to do, we are hearing God speak to us. Our passage this morning is from Matthew chapter 18, from verses 21 to 35. I'll be reading from the CSB version today. I'd encourage you all to follow along in your own Bibles, and the passage will also be displayed on the screen. Then Peter approached Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, Pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. All right. Of many different things that uh, I speak about in different places, the one that gets the most uh, emotional traction, stirs up the most heartache, uh, is forgiveness. So how about we pray that God would help us to understand his word this morning on this um, difficult subject. Our Father, we ask now, please, that you help us to understand what it is that the Lord Jesus teaches. Please give us open ears and soft hearts to listen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if, uh, I won't ask you to put your hand up, 
But I wonder if you might just um, nod uh, if there's members of your extended family who are not speaking to each other or cranky to each other. I know, like, you guys are most of you very young and cool and everything. I know you didn't put your hand up. Just nod for me if you... Uh, members of your extended... Yeah, okay. I figured. It's a problem in so many families, isn't it? My family, well, we're punching way above our weight in that area, uh, my extended family. There's a show that's uh, been promoted in the last couple of months on Netflix called Beef. And uh, Kathy and I, you know, we're watching our TV at night together. Like, Kathy's just over there. She's going to put her hand up and wave. Yeah, there you are. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we watch TV together. Let me, let me give you the, the, uh, the blurb about Beef. It says this. After a, ra- after a road rage incident, Danny, a contractor with a chip on his shoulder, and Amy, an unfulfilled entrepreneur, become inseparable in the worst way, caught in a vicious cycle of revenge that endangers everyone around them. So there's a road rage thing, and then they start this kind of back-and-forth war with each other. Kathy watched one episode with me and then said, I'm not watching anymore. I said, why? She said, it's too dark. They will destroy each other. And I said, oh, okay, right. So I cheated and I just went right down to the last episode and watched the last 15 minutes. She didn't know I did. Uh, and, and they do. They just destroy each other's lives. Why? Well, there's no forgiveness and there's no repentance and it's just a cycle of revenge and it really does destroy each other. So I went to Google and I Googled movies about revenge for a list and they, up they came, dozens, maybe hundreds of them. And I had heard of so many of them. In fact, watched a few myself. Uh, the latest one, kind of big revenge movie, is um, John Wick uh, 4. Okay. Now, I know some of you watch it. John Wick 1. Okay, I watched it. In John Wick 1, like, um, someone in a mafia family kills his dog. And so he goes and, like, kills everyone in that mafia family. By the time you get to John Wick 4, he has killed more people than the bubonic plague. Um, but it's a huge seller. Right? Revenge really sells. So I thought, okay. So I googled movies on forgiveness. And they could hardly make a list. I, there was one movie that I'd heard of. The rest were all these kind of tiny budget art house movies that no one's ever heard of. And revenge sells. Forgiveness doesn't. And yet, folks, isn't forgiveness essential to make our lives work? I mean, we, we stumble forward in life and we hurt other people, sometimes accidentally, sometimes unthinkingly, and sometimes deliberately. And for relationships to work, and they really are the heartbeat of life, for relationships to work, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a family or a church, it's forgiveness that makes it possible. And yet, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to forgive? And then also, why is it so hard to ask for forgiveness? And what is forgiveness? You know, as a society, Adam mentioned earlier, as a society, we've we've kind of forgotten how to forgive. Uh, Douglas Murray wrote a book called The Madness of Crowds. Uh, he's, he's not a Christian, uh, I think he says he's an atheist, but he's a very good writer. Uh, and he's dealing with the problem of, in the internet age, you know, you might have told a joke 
20 years ago and then someone finds the joke that's not politically correct now or you wore the wrong fancy dress costume to a party and bang, you're cancelled. Your, your career's over. Douglas Murray says this, the question the internet, the internet age has still not begun to contend with is how, if ever, is our age able to forgive? Today we do seem to live in a world where actions have consequences we could never have imagined with guilt and shame more at hand than ever and where we have no means whatsoever of redemption. And like I said, if I speak on forgiveness, it's more likely than any other subject for people to come and want to talk to me privately. I'll tell you why. Because we've all been hurt and we've all had people wrong us and how do we, should we forgive them? Or we know our conscience tells us we need to ask other people or God for forgiveness. So how do we make sense of that? Well, let's turn um, the, the part of the Bible that was so beautifully read for us a moment ago. Jesus' wisdom and commands on forgiveness, Matthew chapter 18. So have you got a Bible there? Um, you can have a look. That'd be very good. Or the, the, the um, text will be on the screen. Let's try to answer, as as we look at what Jesus teaches in that parable, four questions, okay? What does forgiveness mean? Why is it so hard to forgive? What's our motivation to forgive? And what forgiveness doesn't mean? All right, we'll work our way through those. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, it's all about restoring relationships. And a lot of it is focused on even within a Christian community. Uh, Jesus talks about... You know, when people wander off from the Christian faith, how do you bring them back? If someone does the wrong thing to you, his particular words, if someone sins against you, what are you to do? And last, lastly, in that chapter, he deals with why, what forgiveness is and why it's so important. So let's have a look. Now, I'm going to be reading to you from the English Standard Version. Um, there's a word or two difference here or there um, to the, um, the other versions, but you'll get the hang of it. All right, uh, let's have a look, uh, chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, the rabbis of the day, as I read, the scholars tell me, the rabbis of the day said, you forgive someone three times and after that, no more, they're gone. Peter probably thinks he's being very generous, saying, well, seven times? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Um, the, the, uh, some of the manuscripts say 77 times and some 70 times seven. Either way, like, is Jesus saying, well, 70 times seven is 490? That is, you keep track and someone does the wrong thing. When you get to 491, that's it. They're gone. That's not what he's saying, is it? He's saying, look... Don't keep count. Don't keep count. Keep on. Be a person of forgiveness. All right. So then he goes to tell this beautiful parable. It's actually a pretty confronting parable. Let's have a look. So the answer to that first question coming up, what does forgiveness mean? Verse 23, Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, sorry, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment be made. Now, what's Jesus say? This is the way the kingdom of heaven works. 
right? God's kingdom, or if you like, living as one of God's people with Jesus as your king, how does this work? And the king here obviously stands for God himself. This man's brought before the king and he owes 10,000 talents. Um, a talent uh, in the ancient world was 34 kilograms of precious metal, usually 34 kilograms of gold. Okay, um, That came the equivalent of uh, 6,000 denarii. A denarius was a day's pay for a labourer. So 6,000 days wages, approximately 20 years work for a labourer. Okay, And this man owed 10,000 talents. So that's 200,000 years wages. All right. So I sat down, I got the calculator out, and I'm going, okay, it's 340 tonnes of gold, and the day that I checked, uh, gold was $82,000 a kilo, and then I tried to calculate it out, and my calculator didn't have enough columns for the numbers. Uh, a million is a thousand times a thousand, and a billion is a thousand times that, and a trillion is a thousand times that, and I think I got to 27 trillion, and I, I gave up. I was just a dumb marketing student at university. Um, you guys in finance can probably work it out. What's Jesus saying? He owed an unthinkable amount to the king. Now, why does, why does Jesus choose the idea of debt? Well, very deliberately. So, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, in the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus teaches us to pray, he says we should pray to God, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. He teaches that we human beings are in huge debt to God, our Creator. Why? Well, folks, the whole point of our existence, the whole reason we were created is to uh, serve and honour and enjoy God, our Creator. And yet we ignore Him. We disobey Him. We, we uh, ignore Him in our lives and, and we damage other people that are made in His image. And you know what? Perhaps worst of all, we don't think it's a big deal. And Jesus teaches again and again that God, our creator, is personal and is deeply offended by what we've done. And Jesus talks about that as a debt to God, and it's a debt that is so big, if we appear before God unforgiven, it's enough to separate us from God and life and joy forever. And Jesus' word for that is hell. And, and he warns about it again and again and again and again. And so this man comes before the king with a debt that he could never repay himself. So what happens? Verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. As if that would ever happen. Verse 27. Out of pity, or we can translate it as uh, compassion, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So what does forgiveness mean? Well, Literally, you know, he cancels the debt or literally forgave the debt. It's the same word that Peter uses in verse 21 when Peter asks, how often should I forgive my brother or sister when they sin against me? Um, still, sometimes you'll hear of a, of a bank, you know, forgiving a debt. Not very often, but um, sometimes. So what's the meaning of the word? The, the word means to remove guilt. It's not the same as um, saying it never happened. Here's a good definition of forgiveness. Uh, this guy, Chris Brawns, wrote this book, Unpacking Forgiveness. 
it's a great book, actually, if you want to read more about this. Here's what he says. Forgiveness is a commitment by the offended, the person who's been wronged, to pardon graciously the repentant, the person who's come and asked for forgiveness, to pardon graciously the repentant from moral liability and to be reconciled to that person. Notice the idea of forgiveness is uh, to bring the parties back together, to be reconciled, to reconcile to that person, although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated. Let me read it again, really important. Forgiveness is a commitment by the offender to pardon graciously the repentant from moral liability and to be reconciled to that person, although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated. Forgiveness is saying, look, you've wronged me and I've got a kind of a moral right to actually hurt you back. You know, you feel that, don't you, when someone wrongs you? I mean, I could hurt you back. Forgiveness is saying, I won't hurt you back. Um, and we can be reconciled. I will not punish you. All right, second question. Why is it hard to forgive? The answer is pretty simple. In order to forgive the debt, the person who's been wronged has to absorb it, almost take that, co- take that cost themselves, or if you want kind of a s- simple way to say it, suck it up themselves. Um, you've got to absorb the debt to be able to forgive. And so here, how does the king forgive? Well, the king absorbs the debt. The king says, all right, I'll wipe away your debt at great cost. Now, you can see how this works in terms of the the Christian gospel. We owe God that massive debt. Now, how is it that God, the judge who is just, and God is a judge, he must punish wrongdoing. How does God be just, punish wrong that we've done, but also be merciful and forgive? The answer is that God himself absorbs that debt. Or if you like, God pays the price of forgiveness in his son Jesus, who chooses to die in our place so that God can be just and forgive. Now, that's what forgiveness looks like. God wipes the slate clean. He says, I will not punish you. I I forgive you. I've paid that penalty myself. Now, what does it look like when we have to forgive and why is it hard? Well, you've got to absorb it yourself to forgive. Here's um, uh, from this book, Peacemaker. Here's some points. He says, this is what it looks like if we, when we forgive others. One, I will not dwell on this incident. And I won't keep bringing it up again and again. I will not talk, uh, sorry, I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. I will not talk to others about this incident. I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. You see, once again, forgiveness is about reconciliation, bringing people together, but it costs. By the way, notice that point, uh, I, will not bring, uh, I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. Um, uh, just hypothetically, if you're, you know, for people who are married, uh, if you're having a, um, let's call it a full and frank discussion about fight, uh, about something, okay, don't get historical. Now, I know you think I meant hysterical, I don't, I meant historical, okay. When you've forgiven someone, it's gone. You can't bring it up again and again and again. All right. Okay. You see the last point there, that forgiveness is about reconciliation. 
earlier, if I had more time, if I give you a second talk, we go back in chapter 18, Jesus says, when someone wrongs you, when someone sins against you, what you should do is not, you know, slander them or, or badmouth them or what, no, what you should do is go and speak to them personally and say, you've wronged me and offer forgiveness. And Jesus has a whole process of how to win people back and restore relationships. But I'll tell you what, going and speaking to them and offering forgiveness is not easy, is it? It's easier to badmouth them to other people. Jesus said, no, 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 you go and speak to them. Now, what's the motivation to do that? What's the motivation for the Christian person to forgive? Because it's not easy, all right? Jesus gives the motivation. Have a look at um, verse 28. But when that same servant, the one who'd been forgiven you know, a trillion dollars. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a hundred denarii is what? Uh, three months' wages. So, you know, it, it's real, but it's a tiny amount compared to what this guy had been forgiven by the king. A hundred denarii, and seizing him, began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Exactly what the first guy had said to the king. Verse 30, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now, that's unthinkable, really, isn't it? That someone who's been forgiven that much can't forgive someone else something much smaller. Verse 31, when his, uh, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do, everyone, do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. What's Jesus saying? He couldn't say it more pointedly. If we are not prepared to forgive others, God's not going to forgive us. Or I guess to put it another way, if you can't forgive other people, you, you haven't understood at all God's forgiveness of you. But it's hard. Right? It's hard. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. So what's the motivation? Well, um, I think the New Testament, Jesus and the New Testament give uh, the, the negative motivation and the positive motivation. The negative motivation, we just heard, if you won't forgive others, God won't forgive you. Um, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, it's not like you earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others, but if, if you won't forgive other people, you haven't understood forgiveness at all. Okay. Now, that's the negative, but much more often the New Testament speaks positive. There's a positive motivation. Um, it's, it, what's the positive motivation? Understand how, much, how, how God has treated you. Understand the compassion of God for you. You'll be able to show that compassion for others. Like, see... Um, Verse 20, chapter 18, verse 27. Out of pity or compassion uh, for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. 
Now, the, um, the Christian Standard Bible, or it used to be known as the Holman Translation, probably better translation, uh, as was read for us, then the master of that slave had compassion and released him and forgave the loan. Now, if you, um, if you only ever learn one word, uh, in the, the New Testament originally is written in Greek, um, koinone Greek, which means like common everyday Greek. Um, if you only ever learn one word in Greek, this is the word to learn, okay? Splagnizomai means compassion. How good is that? Ready? Well, that's how you say it with a rough Australian accent. Splagnizomai. Your splagna was your, um, your belly or your internal organs, okay? And this is the idea that you, that you, when you feel compassion, it's like your insides are moved as well. Some of the Old Testament, the old translations of the Old Testament used to talk about someone's bowels being moved with compassion. It's probably not a great translation today. All right. Now, this word splagnizomai, I find this really interesting and you're too polite to leave the room, so I'm going to tell you. Um, it's used 13 times in the New Testament. One time it's used about the compassion of God on people, but other than that, it's only ever used of Jesus. As Jesus looks out at the crowds and has compassion on them, as he sees a leper and has compassion and touches him, um, as he um, you know, feeds people, etc., Jesus has compassion. And Jesus himself uses it in three great parables. Uh, he uses it in the parable of the Good Samaritan, where uh, the Samaritan man's travelling and he sees a Jewish man who, who should be his national enemy, beaten up, etc., and the, the Samaritan looks at this man and has compassion on him. Um, it's used in the prodigal son when uh, the son comes home and the father sees him um, and the son's done the wrong thing, wasted all the money, insulted his father and the father runs out, grabs him and has compassion on him. And it's used here when the king forgives um, the servant. And in each one of those parables, the person who gets compassion doesn't really deserve it. You know, the Samaritan on his national enemy, the father on the son who's done the wrong thing, uh, the king who forgives the debt. And what does the New Testament say? Understand how God's treated you and you'll be able to forgive and have compassion on others. So when Paul writes the Christians in Colossae, he says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, how? As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Or in the book of Ephesians, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. How? As God in Christ forgave you. So if someone does something that's hard to forgive, you think, how's God treated me? That's what it's saying. Now, of course, folks, the biggest question is this. Have you been forgiven by God? You've got a debt that's incalculable. God offers forgiveness fully and freely. You've just got to ask to come have Jesus as your Lord and ask for forgiveness. The Bible's word for it is grace, God's ama amazing generosity. Uh, grace, it's amazing. Okay, fourth question. Uh, what forgiveness, or fourth statement, thing to, thing to look at, what forgiveness doesn't mean? Okay, because I want to think a bit further about what does forgiveness actually mean day to day or as we, as we try and live this out. Now, this is not trying to weasel out from under Jesus' command, okay? Um, that's possible on many things. I'm not trying to weasel out. 
Um, that great 20th century philosopher Homer Simpson said this about weaseling. Weaseling out of things is important to learn. It's what separates us from the animals, except the weasels. Okay, so we might, you know, there's things we might try and weasel out from under. We don't want to weasel out from under Jesus' command about forgiveness, but we do want to understand it. Okay, so let me ask a few more, answer a few more questions about it. One, is forgiveness pretending the action never happened? No, it's not. All right. It's saying, I, I won't punish you back, I'll absorb the wrong. It's not the same as saying, let's pretend it never happened. Okay, another question. Is forgiveness saying there are no consequences for what you've done? No, it's not. It's not saying there's no consequences. Um, here's the thing, forgiveness is not justice, okay? It's not punishment, but there may still be consequences, if someone has done the wrong thing to you or someone else and they've destroyed trust, it can take a long time for them to rebuild that trust. Okay? It's not wrong to protect yourself in the future if someone has wronged you. And Jesus is talking about personal relationships, not the law and the state. All right? uh, the courts, uh, the police, etc., they're not there to forgive, they're there to bring justice, okay? If you want to see that, read in Romans chapter 13, for example. So in a personal relationship, you may choose to forgive someone and say, I won't punish you, I won't, I won't hurt you back, but if a law's been broken, you may still need to ring the police. The police and the courts are to bring justice, not forgiveness. And also, consequences might be if someone acts in a certain way and you see that they've got, say, a particular weakness in their character, you've got to be aware of that as you act in the future. I'll give you a hypothetical example. Um, if if um, someone in Cross and Crown, you'd found that they'd done the wrong thing and they had a real gambling problem, okay, you might say, all right, well, we forgive you, but don't elect them church treasurer. Do you get the idea? Okay. So that's, you're not punishing them, but there's a consequence there. Okay. All right. Next one. Does forgiveness mean allowing the person to do the same thing to you again and again and again? No, it doesn't. That also fits into protecting yourself and consequences. All right. But here's the last one and the tricky one. What happens when the other person is unrepentant? Do you still have to forgive them? When the other person is unrepentant, do you still have to forgive them? Now, look, folks, I'm, uh, guys, I'm talking about um, major things, things that are really significant here. Right? If it's not that important, just let it go. You know, Paul says in, um, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3, bearing with, bearing with one another, and if you have a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also should forgive. If someone does something annoying, just let it go. Let it go. But some things are really serious. People are damaged. Do you still have to forgive someone who's not repentant? I'll give you an example. You uh, Sometimes, you know, in one of these terrible mass shootings or um, an act of terrorism or something like that, and there's a, a Christian family damaged, uh, sometimes a Christian family comes out and says, we forgive whoever did this. And the people who've done it, are not repentant, they haven't come and asked for forgiveness, they've, they've 
you know, either um, celebrated it or whatever. Do you still have to say, we forgive you? You're not repentant, you're not sorry at all, you'd do it again if you had the chance, do we still have to forgive you? Now, uh, Christian people disagree about this. I'll tell you what I think, okay, and then you work it out from the Bible for yourself, okay? Righto, good, but I'm right, okay. <laughs> I'm serious, actually, the, Bible, the Bible's got to be, you know, the, 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 the final word, let me show you why I, what I think and then you weigh it up. Okay. So some people will say, look, you've got to just, just say I forgive you because Jesus says, as he's been crucified, he says, Father, forgive them. Yes, he does. But let's have a think about that carefully. Luke 23, 33. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. Do you notice what Jesus doesn't say? He doesn't say, you're forgiven. Because they're not repentant. They are in the process of crucifying him. You can't ask forgiveness for something you haven't done yet. Okay. Um, but also, Jesus is able to forgive sin. So they lower the guy down through the roof early in Mark's gospel and Jesus looks at him, sees their faith and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus is able to forgive, but what's he say? He asks, he asks that God would forgive them sometime in the future and that will mean repentance, coming and asking, acknowledging wrong and asking for forgiveness. Um, and Jesus says, Jesus makes it clear, Luke chapter 17, pay attention, 17 verse 3, pay attention to yourselves if your brother or sister, if your brother or sister sins against, um, against, sorry, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Okay? They've done the wrong thing. You tell them they've done the wrong thing. If they're repentant, they ask for forgiveness, they come back, forgive them. Now, what does repentance mean? Here's uh, that Chris Braun's uh, book again. Uh, here's a good explanation of repentance. People in our culture sometimes limit repentance to an emotion. And certainly emotion should be included. But at its centre, to repent means to turn around in actions and attitude. Christians must always forgive the repentant. All right. Now, repentance is difficult. I don't know if you've ever had to do it, but... I'm uh, when you come and ask, when you repent and ask for forgiveness, it does make you vulnerable because you can't demand it, you can't earn it. It's a gift. You're asking for a gift of forgiveness from someone. All right. But what if the person who's done this, and I'm talking about serious things, what if the person who's done this will not change, will not admit they've done wrong, and if they've been spoken to about it, etc., what do you do? Here's the difficulty. The Christian is to offer forgiveness... You remember again and again, the end point of forgiveness is reconciliation, is bringing the, the parties together again. And you can't have that if there's only one hand extended. Repentance is taking the other hand, if you know what I mean. Now, in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul talks about or answers this question. Let's have a look. Romans chapter 12, verse 17, it'll be on the screen. Here's what Paul says to people who've been wronged. He says this, Repay no one evil for evil, 
But give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. Don't give back what you get. Okay. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do you notice he doesn't just say, oh, live at peace with everyone. Why? It takes two to live at peace. Then verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves. Right? Don't, don't take revenge. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God cares. God is the judge. God will sort it out. What's the alternative to revenge? Verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, that's an allusion back to the book of Proverbs. I think the burning coals in his head idea is you'll awaken his or her conscience and by treating them in a loving way, okay, they're more likely to come and ask for repentance. I think that's what he means. So let me give you three principles and then we're almost done. What, how do you pull the principles out of that? One, um, resolve, not, uh, resolve not to take revenge. What's revenge? To take revenge means to retaliate in kind or degree to inflict injury in return. The Bible forbids it. Revenge might be, you know, a punch in the face or um, uh, gossip or slander or pulling them apart on social media or whatever. The Christian is not to take revenge. Okay. So what's, what's, the, what's the alternative? The second thing that Paul says is proactively show love. If your enemy's hungry, feed him or her, etc. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that someone does the wrong thing for you and then you have to go and have romantic dinners or walks along the beach. It doesn't mean that. And guess what? Being loving is not the same as being nice. Being loving is, I will do what is in your best interest. And that might be tough love. But I will, I will do what is best for this person. Now, what's the third one? Don't forgive the unrepentant, but leave room for the wrath of God. Um, the trouble with telling people, no matter what someone does to you, you've just got to say, I forgive you, is it trivialises what's been done. Okay? And there's also no reconciliation. So what's he saying? Don't take revenge. Treat someone in their best interest, but leave it to God. And what, you, what has he called you to do? To let it go through to the keeper. Um, now, as I look around, maybe not all of you are mad cricket fans. Um, one, good man, thank you. There's one, two, okay, I now have two, excellent, okay. I now have to explain what that means, okay. In cricket, when the bats, bats person now, him or her, or when you're batting, the bowler will bowl a ball usually outside like where the bat is and you can get caught, if you, if you touch it, you'll get caught and get out. So if it's just a little bit far out, what, what, a, what a bats person will do is, is lift the bat and let the ball go through to the wicketkeeper and the wicketkeeper catches it. And then there's nothing to worry about because it's the wicketkeeper's problem. What I mean by, it's an old Australian expression, let it go through to the keeper is just let it go. Leave it with the wicketkeeper. And who's the wicketkeeper? God in this case. He's got it. He cares. He's the judge. He'll look after it. That's what the Christian person's called to do. Not easy, is it? But if you don't do that, it'll poison you. Right? If you don't do that, it'll poison you. So 
Let it go through to the keeper. God cares. He's got it. All right. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, understand his compassion for us and it'll mean you can be quick to forgive. Jesus says, actually, I'll forgive you the way you forgive other people. So let me tell you something. I am in the forgiveness business. I reckon the forgiveness thing is just great because I need it. Quick summary, forgiveness. It costs. It's hard to do. It cost God the crucifixion of his son. It'll cost you to forgive others. And yet forgiveness, what? Restores relationship between God and us. Restores relationship between people. Gives joy and hope and life. And it's the antidote for bitterness and malice, which are poison. So, do you need to ask God for forgiveness? More than ready to forgive you as you come to Jesus as Lord. Who do you need to forgive? Or who do you need to ask? For forgiveness it's not easy but it gives life can you pray with me our father we thank you for the gift of forgiveness purchased at such great cost at the death of the lord jesus please help us uh, to so understand that forgiveness that we can live trusting jesus and so live with gratitude and joy and confidence and that we might show that same compassion and forgiveness to other people And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.